It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good morning and welcome to Football Digest Extra Time. Uh, my name's Andy Dunn. I'm the chief sports writer for the Daily Mirror and I'm joined by Sam Ingersoll, who's the Chelsea writer for Football London. And we both had the privilege of being at the Etihad Stadium on um, Saturday night to see Manchester City's coronation as Premier League champions. Alas, it didn't quite work out like that. Um, morning, Sam. I just want to, you know what, there's a lot of implications for that game. And, you know, it was put into a lot of context in terms of the Champions League and in terms of Tuchel getting another one over on, on Pep. But you know what, I came away thinking, you know, what's been forgotten here is that Tuchel, while he's in the FA Cup final, while he's in the Champions League final, he was brought in, you know, first and foremost to do one job and that's to get Chelsea in that top four position. And that was an absolutely, forget who the opposition were, that was a crucial win for them in that quest for the top four. Yeah, absolutely was. And I think it was a uh, morning, by the way. Um, yeah. And also taking advantage of um, Leicester slip up on Friday night mm. as well uh, at Newcastle. As you rightly say, Tuchel, the, old, the whole remit when he was parachuted in to replace Frank Lampard in January, but simply just to get top four and, and to protect that Champions League place for next season. Um, he's doing that with flying colours at the moment, and yeah, any other any silverware is a bonus. I mean, just Champions yeah. League's a massive, massive bonus, obviously. But um, you, two defeats in twenty five games, you can't complain with with what he's doing at the moment at Stamford Bridge. He's completely changed things around from where they were um, under Lampard, and as you say, mm-hmm. twice in the last three weeks, he's be, he, he's got he's got uh, Pep Guardiola's number in the last couple of weeks. I'm sure Pep will uh, will have something to say about that in a couple more weeks' time. Well, he will. And while I said that, it's clearly the most important thing for Chelsea was to was to try and cement that um, top four spot. And that's, you know, and that was, you know, their toughest game on paper in the running. And they've won that. Um, and, and while that is the case, you know, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, this is now building up into in, into a rivalry between these, these two guys and, and these two clubs. And what did you think when... You know, there was an element of the phony war about it when I saw the team sheets. You know, I mean, Chelsea, where you wouldn't say had every single A listed out, but when you saw Manchester City's team sheet, what did you think about that? It struck it struck me as um, was, it, was, was it the champ, was it the FA Cup semi final when Pep made seven yeah. changes? I think it was for the for, for the game, and uh, he was accused of disrespecting the competition, and then he made nine at the weekend. Mm. I suspect he probably wanted to think, oh yeah, I've made nine changes, but I can still wrap up the title this weekend by beating um, by beating Chelsea, who who are in such good form. Um, I was I wasn't surprised to see Tuchel make changes. Um, what with with the Champions League that they've been playing and the, the relentless fixture schedule that we know every team's had this season, so it wasn't a real surprise to see the likes of Mason Mount, Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell get the weekend off. But Chelsea still had seven players out that played against Real Madrid in midweek um, and, and, and beat Real Madrid in midweek. So yeah, but then again, Pep, if he makes nine changes, his his squad is still ridiculously strong, it isn't is. it? It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Could you just so, well, could, could you just confirm to us, Sam? I, I, I assume Mount Chilwell and Silva were all just just rested, basically. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah, they're all, they're all just given the weekend off. Um, Mount's played in pretty much every game since uh, since Tuchel arrived. I think he's only missed two um, when he come off the bench in both of those. Um, yeah. And uh, Thiago Silva, obviously at thirty six, had a grueling ninety minutes against Madrid in midweek. Um, was given the was given the uh, weekend off, and so was Chilwell, who's uh, who's uh, really 
forced himself back into recognition as the number one uh, left wing back, having had a bit of competition from Marcos Alonso since uh, since yeah. Tuchel came in. What amazes me, Sam, I, I, um, I, it really, well, when I say amazes me, I mean, surprises me, is at this stage of the season, certainly Manchester City, and to a certain extent, I mean, you can probably uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, with Chelsea, is that how many players they've actually got fit at this stage of the season? You know, I think it's remarkable. City in particular, a couple of weeks ago, so you're talking about the end of April, the start of May, Pep Guardiola gave a press conference where he said, like, you know, every player was fit. I thought every player on the roster fit. This is remarkable. You know, you know, I mean, you know, Jurgen Klopp must have been listening to him and thinking, what are they doing there? But I think it's a testament to both clubs um, that, that a lot of their players are fit. And what I thought when I saw that team, that City team, is, I mean, for one, I thought it was a completely unbalanced team. I mean, essentially, he only had one midfielder in that team, which was Rodri. You, you know, the rest were either attackers or a defender. He had a torrid time in Benjamin Mendy. So they, they, they were they were light in midfield. But what struck me is that when I looked at the Chelsea bench, even though Chilwell and Mount weren't even in the squad, and we always talk about, we look in awe at Manchester City's um, squad. But what struck me was that, you know, that that was you know, that was a healthy bench. Chelsea were putting out as well. You know, Callum Hudson-Odoi on the bench, and Jordino on the bench, Kai Havertz on the bench. You know, they have some, I think people that I've overlooked, they have got a good squad. And I just want to ask you about what's impressed me is that how most of their recruits, if not all, seem to be settling in now really well. Yeah, it was that initial struggle under under mm. Lampard in in the back end of last year, which was which, which rose a lot of questions about Timo Werner, for example, and Kai Havertz, the two mm. big money signings, um, not settling into the Premier League. Um, but Tuchel's come in. You can look at it back with hindsight, bringing in a German a German head coach, and mm. the two Germans are playing pretty well. Um, is is it a coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. But. Um, yeah, Chelsea have only had Mateo Kovacic out injured really for the last yes. month. Um, he missed the game. Uh, he got injured before the second leg against Porto in the Champions League quarterfinal. And I mean, he's been pretty much their only real injury issue. Everyone else has just been rested. Tuchel's only named one unchanged si- uh, side as well since he arrived. So he's rotated his players. He's mm. kept them all fresh. He's given them rest when they need to. Um, and that's why they've got such a, a, a healthy squad at the moment at such a crucial time of the season. And looking looking at Chelsea's squad, it's always been strong, hasn't it? I think yeah. we knew that from the summer yeah. and the recruits that they made. But Tuchel has managed to keep them all in shape and in, in, in fit and, and, and healthy. And, and it's reaping the dividends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I, I honestly think, and I think in, in, in the modern game, you know, and certainly no coaches don't underestimate it, but I think. You, you know, when they recruit, you know, you sometimes read about them sort of poaching sort of medical people from other clubs. And I understand why, you know, these guys should go for big transfer fees. You know, these guys are hugely important, you know, keeping this squad fit. And and for someone like Guardiola or Thomas Tuchel, to be able to rotate like that is just such, you know, um, I mean, such an advantage against the teams. But also, of course, as we saw on Saturday, it can be, you know, you can be, I think Guardiola was maybe a bit too clever. But, but the details of the game, Sam, um, I mean, you know, it, it was fairly even. Um, I actually thought that, that after City had scored, I thought their first penalty, their only penalty, um, we'll come on to that later, um, was a little bit soft. I thought, I thought, I thought that, you know, the Gilmore on Jesus was a little bit soft. But, um, I mean, talk us through. And, and talk us through, you were there, and, and I, as you know, we are quite close to the bench, aren't we, at the Etihad? So we can see the reactions. And it's fair to say that Pep wasn't overly pleased when... Um, Sergio Aguero um, chipped it into um, Mendy's left hand. Yeah, I mean, when when you when you try that, Panenko, when you pull it off, you look like a genius, yeah. and when you get it, and when you get it wrong, you look a bit foolish. Uh, and it really did happen to bite him on the on the backside mm. at the end, didn't it? What with it with the end of end of the result? Yeah. Well, Guardiola is a very passionate man, anyway, isn't he? And you could just see him 
often throwing his hands up in frustration, slapping his legs, and just whenever if someone misplaced a pass, it was just he's he's very emotional, man, very expressive. So is Tuchel, to be fair. Well, that's what I was going to say. It, it was a little bit of a competition between the two, wasn't it? Because Tuchel in particular was. I think he was annoyed about, I can't remember, I think he was trying to get Kurt Zuma on when Christensen had been injured in the build-up to that first goal. And he was very animated uh, as well. I just want to quickly go back to that penalty because I read a piece this morning in one of the newspapers, which was essentially saying, you know, I mean, th- th- this this always happens. You always, you know, once you've done a story so much, you go the opposite way and, and it gives it more legs. And, and the idea is, well, you know, I mean, you know, people shoot low into the corner and miss. People shoot high into the corner and it gets saved. You know, what? what why does someone get completely um, um, sort of slated for for just chipping it down the middle? And, and I sort of I get that. And the idea is, well, eight times out of ten, that will go in. And if you hit a ball into a corner with pace, eight times out of ten, that's, so it's the same law of averages. But someone did say as well, they thought that what had been completely overlooked was the calmness and the of Mendy of Edward Mendy yeah. was that you know he he didn't overly commit um, and he did have the presence of mind to actually think well that might happen and get it and and I sort of get that it was a bad penenka anyway however that what that brings me on to ask you Sam is that again it's something I think has gone under the radar just what an influence Mendy has had on this Chelsea team you know it's been transformative hasn't it certainly in the Champions League. In the Champions League, yeah, he was sensational against Real Madrid in, in midweek. He made two huge saves from Karim Benzema um, that would have got Real Madrid that away goal that they were, that they so desperately needed. Um, I think it's, it's 18 clean sheets. I think Mendy's kept this season in all competitions, which is a remarkable run. I'm pretty sure it's maybe 13 or 14 of them have come since Tuchel arrived. Um, Chelsea just don't concede goals, especially at home. They don't concede goals. Having a five-man defence obviously helps in that regard. And Mendy's been well protected at times. But... Um, considering where Chelsea were with Kepa and having to sign Mendy essentially last summer because Kepa wasn't deemed to be up to the job, uh, bringing him in, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And yes. he's, I think he's proved quite a few people wrong. I think m- myself included, I was a little bit skeptical of Mendy at times. He looked a bit skittish at the start, but he's really, really settled in now. And when you've got Rolls-Royce defenders like Thiago Silva in front of him, Andres Christensen have been playing well up until the up until the weekend in a bit of a stinker. Um, Cesar Spilicueta has been playing very well, so has Antonio Rudiger. Mm. You've got that safety blanket almost in front of you, but Mendy still had to up his levels. And Tuchel's obviously played Kepa five times as well, so he's just nudging him along, just keeping mm. him there to to make him re- to, to say like you can't rest on your laurels. You still got to you still got to perform. And all credit all credit to Mendy. He's been he's been superb. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, I think it has gone under the radar a bit, his influence. And, and what I thought, I and mean, what he had to do, you know, which was fairly limited against um, Real Madrid, um, he did he did excellently, you know, the save um, low down to his left. And I thought on Saturday, looking at him live for the first time in a little while, I don't know, I just think he, he just looks far more comfortable. You said he was a bit skittish, I agree. His distribution, you know, is not, is not Edison standard or not Edison flamboyance but it was pretty solid on Saturday. And as you say, it does help when you go defence like that because I, I think City, even though, you know, they might have edged it um, a little bit, I, I didn't think they created that many chances. And it was important, wasn't it? You know, so Mendy makes that save from the penalty. And don't forget, you know, I think people should remember, he saved the penalty. And I think then, I mean, clearly that was crucial going into half time, wasn't it? You know, and then Chelsea, that would have given them uh, such a lift coming out for the second half. And second half, they played very well. I thought they dominated that second half. Mm. Um, Tuchel said that after the after the game at his press conference that he just said, "Look, let's just act like it's nil nil." Um, that's typical Sunday mm. league thing, isn't it? When you when you yeah. can see the goals, I mean, pretend it's nil nil, and then you go again, and uh, and that's exactly what they did. And 
thought they fully deserved the win, especially after their after their second half performance. It, it, the wing backs were crucial. I think they got so much further on the pitch. I think you alluded to it earlier. Um, yes. Reese James gave Benjamin Mendy an absolutely horrendous time in that second yes. half. Um, Reese James showing why he's very much firmly in the equation for starting for England at the Euros, in my opinion. Um, and then on the left-hand side as well, Marcos Alonso was getting further forward and he ended mm. up getting the winner. Yeah. So, mm. <laughs> a lot, I, and Chelsea had a lot of crosses coming in from either side as well. And yeah, it, 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 their, fans, their, their, their second half performance was was superb. It was, was, was very good, wasn't it? You, you're right to me. And Reese James Alonso, I think, you know, Reese James in particular in that position, I mean, as you say, I mean, we, again, that was where on our side of the pitch, wasn't it? And we could see Guardiola's frustration with Benjamin Mendy, which eventually ended up with him, you know, actually taking him off and put on Zinchenko. The irony being that the actual winning goal actually came down that flank as well. And, you know, they overloaded that side and and they did pay dividends. I just want to go in, into the equaliser or, or more about the guy who scored the equaliser. I mentioned before about signings um, taking a little bit of time, but all of them, you know, pretty much settling in now. And, and Zayat is, 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 is clearly an example of that, isn't he? He, he was is, good on yeah. Saturday, wasn't he? I thought he was really good. He was very good on Saturday, uh, and he and he showed just with the, with that finish, keeping the ball down low into the corner where Edison got a hand on it but couldn't keep it out. Just pinpoint accuracy from that finish. He he kind of floats in and out mm. again, Ziek, but you just know he's got he's got that moment in him where he can just flick the switch and turn it on. Um, I wouldn't say it's been an easy time for him under Tuchel. He's found himself in in the mm. team and then out of the team again, but that's probably down to the embarrassment of riches pretty much that Tuchel has at his disposal. But Ziyech, when he when he has given the chance, he's trusted him in big games as well as Tuchel, uh, and he and he, he's um, and he's come up with the goods. And yeah, I thought he was very good at the game. I was actually quite surprised uh, Tuchel took him off actually midway through I the was. second half. So I was very surprised uh, he, he withdrew him, but clearly it paid off. I know it, it did pay off. It's funny, I was surprised. I, I was also doing, as well as a reporter, I was also doing ratings and I had him down as my man of the match. So I was giving him an eight or a nine and whatever. And then he took him off. And, they thought, and, you, and you always wonder about giving someone man of the match when they take him off. But having said that, you know, he took Canty off as well relatively um, early on. I want to go on to the, we'll come back onto a couple of the controversial instances um, shortly, but the winning goal, I want to go on to the guy who's assisted it because there has been a lot of talk about Timo Werner over, over recent weeks. You know, I'm surprised he was, you know, in a way, I was a little bit surprised he was still on the pitch. Again, that's, you know, I, I mean, a good management by Tuchel, who, who you know, in, certainly in the Champions League, seems to have been, this might just be my imagination, but basically running him into the ground for 60, 65 minutes and then and then replacing him. Um, he didn't this time and he set up the winner. And I just want to talk about Timo Werner because, you know, when I listen to commentaries um, when I'm not at the game. And, you know, I do think he is a little bit unfairly maligned. You know, he was criticised for being, I don't know, a quarter of a yard offside uh, in that game against Real. You know, people are very quick to knock him for the chances he misses. But I think he's shown, isn't he, that, listen, let's assume those, those goals go in. If they do, and he continues to produce what he does in terms of overall team play, overall contributions... He could be one hell of a player for Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, it's magnitude, isn't it, with those chances that he's missed because yeah. he has missed a few sitters and that sticks yeah. out. But, um, yeah. but to be fair, I think the stat is, I think he's been involved in 23 goals this season uh, for Chelsea uh, as of the weekend with the assist. And that's the only, that's, I think only Eden Hazard has done more. Um, yeah. And Werner had a slow start. Uh, well, he had a fast start and then had a really, uh, then really struggled with with Frank Lampard. who couldn't really find the right position for him, and Tuchel's managed to find it, uh, playing as a second striker using his ridiculous pace that he's got, which is very underrated, um, to to get to get in behind. And that's exactly how the, the equaliser came about because that's the, he ran ran, ran mm-hmm. through and then and then and then played the cross in. Um, 
yeah, he's been. He's, I think he's been very unfairly maligned because he's probably not because he's not scored twenty nine goals like he did at, at Leipzig last mm. season. Everyone expected him to come and hit the ground running, and perhaps Chelsea did when he spent forty nine million pounds on the player. You don't buy assists, really, do you? But give him a season. It's the same as most players, new, new signings. You give him a season to settle in, yeah. and then I think next season he'll hit the ground running. Same as Kai Havertz, who's been really impressive recently yeah. as well. I, I agree, and I think you know you mentioned it, forty nine million pounds, and it's a lot of money, you know. But it's 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 sort of not not far. Um, not much more than say since he played for Nathan Ake who we haven't seen most of the season where he's been injured but you know he played on I thought he played quite well actually on, on Saturday um, you know so it's, it, it's big money but it's not it, it's not huge money and I think you mentioned here about Leipzig and, and not scoring the, the goals he scored there but you know bear in mind they, were, they play a different way and a lot of that was a bit more direct and using his pace and, and he is every time I see him now I think you know, he, he, he is he's, he's remarkably quick. I saw him up at when Chelsea, I think that they win at Upper Anfield. I did, yeah. And and, and he didn't score, but but he, he gave them a, that day. He gave he them a torrid time, didn't he? Particularly in that first half, um, if I remember. And also Werner, of course, was involved in one instance early on. I think it was Werner when Raheem Sterling was booked, uh, and and there was some suggestion at the time that the yellow might have been upgraded to a red. Personally, I didn't think so. What, what, what were your views on that one? Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot worse when it's slowed down into freeze yeah. frame and then everything happens like that. Once once it all gets slowed down like that and you see the contact, then it looked a little bit a little bit stronger. And it was a, it was a pretty hefty challenge from Sterling, it has yeah. to be said. But I think yellow card was probably about right. Um, if And I think Tuchel said as well, if VAR is not going to, if, if VAR doesn't look at it, then it's not going to be upgraded or anything like that. So yeah. um, it was, yeah, it, it, Sterling, it was, he, I think because he lost the ball, didn't he? And then tried yeah. to go and get it back and then launched into a tackle. I mean, if that if you've, you've seen him given though, to be fair, yeah. especially this season. We've seen well, him given. yeah, I'm, 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 we've seen a couple of the, well, I've certainly seen one of the Etihad when Liam Cooper's yellow card for Leeds was upgraded. And that was, that was a lot worse tackle. I, I'm the same with you. We, you see it so often, don't you, when a player loses the ball and, and, and his, his desperate attempt to make up a tone for his mistake ends up in a bit rash. I agree. I think yellow was fine. And of course, then as much as I I, I, I wrote this, I, I genuinely believe that, you know, there was no miscarriage of justice in terms of the overall results of the game. I mean, I do think that, you know, I don't know, 19 times out of 20, 29 out of 30, Zuma's challenge on Sterling or challenges on Sterling um, gets uh, given as a penalty. Yeah, he, he probably fouled him two or three times. I think yes. in the in the in the, yes. in the whole build up to that. Yeah, I was I was incredibly surprised that wasn't given. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think Aguero was on the pitch then. I didn't even take off. So I'm no. not sure if he'd taken the penalty then in the second half. But I thought it was. I thought Chelsea were very lucky to get. That the, they were very lucky. I, th- I think yeah, probably Edison probably would have taken a penalty thing then because yeah. who else was on the pitch? Gundogan had come on then, and he's taken a penalty, but he's missed one. Jesus was on as well. I think wasn't he as well? I think he's probably missed one. If you, I'm sure well, they've missed I mean they've missed nine since the start of last season they've missed four this season uh, that, that's for sure De Bruyne has obviously missed one but he wasn't even at the ground Foden, might, Foden might have taken it you never know Foden might have taken it but but, but uh, you know overall I think Chelsea's here but I do think you know I, I do think that Anthony Taylor I, I, I don't quite know because as I say I, listen I thought it was like ten times more a penalty than the Gilmore challenge on Jesus was um, as Gary Lineker tweeted, you know, he said, to be fair, you know, Zuma only fouled him four times. I think he, he, he was probably right. But that would have been a bit fortunate for City. I just wonder, you know, Sam, I do wonder in terms of, you know, these referees are obviously very familiar with players. And I do think that, that you know, maybe he's just thought that Raheem has maybe exaggerated things in the past. I don't know. And also, maybe they're looking for the idea. The only thing that he might have thought was that, was that Sterling deliberately sort of slowed down to engineer the contact himself, but I still think um, they got away with that. 
But then, of course, um, Alonso gets the winner. Now, when we do talk about it in the context of May the 29th and in the context of, of, of Tuchel already beating Guardiola in the FA Cup semi-final, and as much as it clearly is not going to be, that, that City team will be nothing like the team that, that takes the field in the Champions League final, it must still be a bit of a marker down there, the Tuchel throw, mustn't it? No, oh, yeah, massively. Um, he said in, in his pre-match press conferences both times before um, playing Man City that he says that they're the benchmark. Uh, that's mm. what that, that that's where they were. That's who they want to be emulating and at least competing with. Uh, he's done that twice now. Um, it's a, it, Champions League finals are completely different kettle of fish. So it's, yes, you know, it's, it's a one-off one-off game. Anything can happen one-off game. Uh, but you suspect in a one-off game, Tuchel can. You know, Mourinho was very good. It wasn't he getting mm. his team set up for one-off matches. Um, Tuchel, you suspect he will do, he will do the same. Um, while City's team, yeah, will be drastically different. Like Chelsea's will probably show a few changes as well. So I don't. Yeah. I think both managers didn't really show their hands. Mm. Maybe a little bit. You know what you're getting from Chelsea. Uh, I think maybe a little bit more than Man City. But yeah, it, it certainly lays down a marker and it gives the players, I think, more than anything, huge confidence going into the final, wherever it is at the end of the month, that they yeah. that they, can, that they can get the job done. Exactly, I, I, and, and I do think you know, in, in the past, Guardiola has had a. Um, what we'd say a tendency to overthink things in the Champions League, but I do think pretty much we know what his Champions League lineup is going to be. You know, it's going to be the it's going to it's essentially probably going to be the team that that, that um, played against um, PSG in both legs. You know, there might be whether Rodri, Fernandino, there might be a little bit of, and then left back. I think I think from what we saw on 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 Saturday, I think Zinchenko would definitely be um, left back. So. City's first team um, against Chelsea's first team. I mean, it is a tough one to call, isn't it? Okay, City are now going to go on and win the Premier League, one assumes. But it is a very, very tough one to call, isn't it? They look they look closely matched squads, don't they? They look really closely mm. matched um, at the moment, um, especially with, with, with Chelsea and the form that they're in uh, since Tuchel arrived. Um, next season's going to be interesting as well. I don't want to look too far ahead, was, but I can imagine yeah. saying next, next season, I think you can get odds of like something like 6-1 to one on Chelsea winning the league next season, mm. which I think is very tempting. Um, but yeah, the... the the Champions League final is really tough to call. Chelsea will obviously bring back Jorginho. Will will play. Um, I think he's got a decision to make at right back, uh, right wing back, because considering how well Reese James played at the weekend, but Cesar Spilicueta played there in both legs of the Champions League semi final against Madrid. Um, ben Chilwell will come in at left back. Mason Mount's an automatic starter, and then he's also got to decide who he plays um, in the in that false nine role, whether it's Kai Havertz who did the job against Madrid in the second leg, or maybe even Ziyech or Christian Pulisic. Or, or Timo Werner, who, play, who plays up there. So I think Chelsea is, is a little bit more up for debate as to who starts. Mm. Uh, City, as you say, is very settled, but Tuchel is going to have a few selection headaches because everyone's just got, obviously going to be itching to itching to get in that starting lineup for, for the final. Yeah, and you said something you don't, don't want to look too far ahead. I mean, I, I would like to just look at a couple of things. Um, certainly from a City point of view, I'm wondering what they will do in, in, in the in the off-season. You know, I mean, we all, we all turn around and we all say, Oh, he needs a striker. Clearly, Aguero is going, and, and and clearly, probably the evidence of Saturday probably suggests that's the right decision. You know, as as fantastic a servant as he's been, and I think a lot of us, you know, would turn around to Guardiola and say, you know, about getting a conventional striker because he'll be left with Jesus, and he's going for Haaland or Kane. I mean, Guardiola's argument, quite rightly, and it's a very uh, compelling one, as he turns around to us and says, "Well, well, hang on a minute, guys, we've scored 100 not goals this season." We got to the FA Cup semi-final. We're about to win the Premier League. We're in the Champions League final. We've won the Carabao Cup. You know, it's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly um, uh, going disastrously, is it? And he's got a point, obviously. And they've scored over 700 goals in the time he's been there. You know, two and a half a game. 
So who are we to tell him that he needs a conventional striker? However, when you look at the goal scoring charts, you know, I mean, I think his top scorer in the Premier League is Ilkay Gundogan with, with 12 goals. I, I'm not even sure that gets into the top 10. So do you think that City either need to or will reinforce up front next year? I think I think they will um, mm. because you're just because you obviously you're, yeah you're losing Aguero who as well, I think we, yeah. we agree on that is that Saturday was could have been his big swan song I think but yeah, yeah. It didn't pan out that way uh, I do think that they will go and try and sign a striker this summer um, whether that's Holland who Chelsea are also interested in as well um, Harry Kane as well um, even reports that Romelu Lukaku is available as well he wouldn't be the worst option either um, so I think yeah City if they if if City get that, that number nine um, that can re- replace Aguero, if you can replace Aguero, that is, um, to replace Aguero, then they'll be seriously serious yeah. again next season. That, that, that average of 2.5 goals a game might come up to maybe three, three or three and a half. Might go up like that. Exactly. And I think, Sam, you know, I've watched the Carabao Cup final. I know it seems like, you know, it's a very easy, it's very easy to put two and two together and come up with four. But, you know, I saw what Spurs were doing and I saw what City were doing. I was thinking, well, if you take that man there, Centre forward for Spurs and put him in City side, then it, it would be frightening. So, so we'll, we'll we'll see what pans out. I just want to so have a few finishing words on Thomas Tuchel. I mean, I just want to know what your you know you've dealt with them a lot more than me. You've seen them a lot more than me. What what what's the impression you've built up? It, it surely can't be anything but positive of what he's done since he come in. I mean, did you have any reservations to start with, and have they been banished? I think the only reservations when he came in was that he often butted heads with those above him. Uh, it yes. happened at Borussia Dortmund and it happened with PSG as well, uh, which obviously eventually led to his downfall at both clubs. Um, but since he's arrived, he's been nothing but positive. Um, obviously, the results speak for themselves, but he's an incredibly affable man. Uh, he's very funny, very funny man, actually. Uh, his command of English, very he's fluent in English, um, so he can get his point across, but he does come across as that real tactical thinker, mm. someone that really knows what they're doing and, and, and has got quite a deep thought process into things. I think you said that um, Pep Guardiola often overthinks things in the Champions yes. League. You get that, I don't think Tuchel overthinks things, he just knows what how to get the best out of his squad. It's almost like, right, this is the squad I've got available, this is what I'm going to do to make you better. I'm not going to try and imprint a style on this, on mm. this team, I'm not going to try and tinker too many things, like I will work with you to get the best out of you rather than this is my way or the highway kind of thing. Mm. Um, that's the impression that I get off, off, off of Tuchel. And the players seem to, the players all, all, all love him. He's very, he, 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 li- he likes a hug. Um, and Golo Kante is not quite keen on that apparently, but um, he's quite, he's quite It's keen allowed on, from today, Sam, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's allowed from today. Um, he's, he's an expressive man. He shows his emotions. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He doesn't take it. And he also shows that he doesn't suffer fools easily either. He's yes. not afraid to make substitutions. I mean, not, to put anything on Tammy Abraham, but obviously he's been completely frozen out really since uh, since Tuchel mm-hmm. came in and he subbed him off twice at half time in his first three appearances. It hasn't helped being injured as well, but he's struggling to find a way back mm-hmm. into the team. So he knows what he wants and um, it, it, it will do anything to do everything to make sure that he, that he gets in there. He wants to yeah. create a real, he often uses the word bond, um, uh, like to create a big team, a good team spirit. And he believes that's the most important part of, part of it, which is obviously difficult at the moment um, with COVID bubbles, et cetera, et cetera, in the Premier League. But look at the results. Look at how well he's doing. He must be doing something right. I, I agree. I, I think, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, it's probably, probably because I've been around for a long time, but I'm not a massive one of managers being on the pitch at the end of a game. I have to say, um, you know, I remember when it was a, it was a polite shake of the hands and they'd go off and have a, have a beer together um, away from the um, away from the cameras. They seem to be on the pitch all the time now. But 
But I did like him going round each and every one of the Chelsea players at, at the end of the game um, on on Saturday. And what I really like about him was that after the game against Real, I, I mean, it's, it's easy to be, you're obviously going to be happy, but he just seems to, you know, his expression of how much he, how much he feels also privileged to be doing the job that he's doing, but loving every single minute of it. And I think that comes across, you know, he's clearly loving every single minute of what, he, what he's doing. And without a doubt, I mean, he's going to be, you know, as I say, just looking down here, the snapshot of the pair of them talking, Tuchel and Guardiola before the game, they were, they were you know, engrossed in conversation. The the sort of, um, the reactions during the game, I just think, you know, I think it's great that, that Pep is going to stay in the Premier League and he's going to have a rival in Tuchel that is going to be, I mean, you can imagine Tuchel, Klopp, Guardiola, going head to head, not to mention, you know, obviously Solskjaer and whoever Spurs get, and, you know, the likes of Ancelotti. I think, I think we're blessed at the moment. I just want to finish, Sam, on the game on the 29th. Um, where will it be won and lost and who will win and lose it? Um, where will it be won and lost? Uh, I think, well, Chelsea's obvious, obvious strength is that is their defence at the yes. moment. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a narrow, a narrow game, a tight game, which is not to be unexpected in the Champions mm-hmm. League final. It's going to be a one nil or a two one or something like that, um, or maybe even after extra time, and then we'll see what happens. But I think if Chelsea can keep out City to the best of their abilities, like they did at the weekend, obviously mm-hmm. didn't keep a clean sheet, but I did keep a clean sheet against them in the FA Cup semi final, um, then they can nick a goal um, from anywhere. I think, especially, and you've got. Timo Werner in a side, Kai Havertz in your side, Ziyech Pulisic in that side. I think you can nick a goal from somewhere that could just be enough. And yeah. Chelsea has shown their, their defensive strength to, to to keep City even attack, even attack like City's out, despite them probably launching balls forward and, and and playing at their very fluent best. So if that's if Chelsea, if Chelsea are going to win, I think that's where it's going to come from. They're going to have to rely on their on their solid foundations and their excellent goalkeeper. I think to try and keep just to simply keep City out and nick one up the other end. Yes, I, I agree. You know, I, I mean, you mentioned sort of odds before, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, I haven't double checked, but I'm, I'm certain it's the Manchester City will be favourites. But I, I don't think that's right. I think they, I think they've shown that they can, you know, not only keep City out, but you know, on Saturday, you know, limit them over these two games. Now I know it's a different team. I think, I think they'll be able to limit them to, um, you know, uh, I, I'm impressed with the way they limit them to very few chances, and I do think the City defence, while it has been the bedrock of their success this season with only 20-odd goals conceded in the Premier League, five of them in one game. While it has been the bedrock of their success, I do think it is a little bit vulnerable to pace down the middle. Um, Stones and Diaz, I do think Werner can get at them. And, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the game go in a very similar way that it went, albeit with different personnel. On Saturday, well, Sam, hopefully, I'll see you there. If, if, if Well, probably wherever it may be. Wherever it may be, uh, if it comes to England, we'll definitely see you there. And if not, maybe see you in Istanbul. Sam, thanks for your time this morning. And thanks, everyone, for watching Football Digest Extra Time.